Well met, friends. I'm Steph Midlock. And I'm Jude Vase. Welcome to Atherbeth, a podcast exploring the magnificent music of Tolkien's Legendarium. Before we get started with today's episode, a quick announcement. Our friends at Clever Corvid's Productions, a podcast network of wonderful folks, are hosting a live stream fundraiser to benefit reproductive rights called Marathon for Choice. On June 4th through 5th, 2022, they will be streaming two days of tabletop role-playing games and video games to support Fund Texas Choice. We encourage you to head over to the Clever Corvid's YouTube channel at tinyurl.com backslash marathon for choice. That's the number four, marathon for choice, to check out tons of engaging content and donate to a great cause. We at Atherbeth believe in the right to choose, and we will be donating. So on June 4th and 5th, head over to the Clever Corvid's YouTube channel to check out Marathon for Choice. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We have an extra special episode for you today. Jude and I had the pleasure of interviewing Robin LaJoy, the lyricist for the new symphonic band Eye of Melian. Fans of the professor's work will recognize themes from Tolkien's Legendarium woven into this beautiful music. Instead of playing our normal segue music, Atherbeth has been given special permission to introduce the band to you by playing a portion of one of their singles. We chose to play the beginning of the third single from Eye of Melian, titled Doorway of Night. Please check out the band on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, Bandcamp, and everywhere fine music is found to hear more and support them. We've got many symphonic paths to tread, so let's begin. A very special guest joining us on Atherbeth today. Her name is Robin LaJoy. Welcome to Atherbeth, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. This is amazing. 
Robin LaJoy is the lyricist for the new band Eye of Melian. She graciously agreed to chat with us today all the way from her home in the Netherlands with her three bandmates, Martijn Westerholt, Miko P. Mustonen, and Johanna Korkela. Robin and Eye of Melian have released four singles thus far that are magical, ethereal masterpieces. Their debut thank album. You so much. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Their debut album, titled Legends of Light, drops on June. 21st, 2022. And Robin, I just have to say, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. Your music sort of sits right at this, like in the middle of the Venn diagram of things that I love, which is like symphonic music and Tolkien. And so this is like, when I saw the name of your band come up on the internet, I was like, what? This is amazing. (laughs) So I just want to start by saying I'm a huge fan of you and of Eye of Million already. And so I apologize in advance if I sort of fangirl out on you a little bit today. So thanks for... Thanks for bearing with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, thank you so much. I'm I'm just as excited. I as I said, I love talking Tolkien and uh uh yeah, just talking about fun things, music included. So yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so for our listeners who are just discovering you and Eye of Melian, can you introduce us to Eye of Melian as a band? Can you kind of describe your sound or maybe tell us how you were formed? Yeah, sure. Um so we are fantasy music. I've, we've found it hard to really classify ourselves in a particular genre, but uh, a lot of symphonic uh, elements, uh, very movie score-like. In fact, both uh, Martine and Miko really aim for everything to sound basically like it comes directly out of a fantasy movie. And we have pop uh, song structures, which simply means that we have defined choruses and verses. Um, So it's not exactly like soundtrack music. And um, of course, there's lyrics as well that are also mostly fantasy inspired. So um, if you like dreamy, ethereal music that also has a touch of epic sound from time to time, then uh, yeah, that's what we've been working on. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Jude, you were just telling before, Robin, before you hopped on, Jude, you were kind of telling me your your thoughts when you first heard them. I, I am more of a casual fan mostly via Steph. I sort of absorb all this this music from hanging out with Steph. You kind of can't not absorb a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> from hanging out with Steph. And um, I've listened to all four of the singles a couple of times over the last couple of days. And I was saying to Steph that the uh, the single in particular that um, I like that you said that we could play that our graceful editor James is going to be putting over our normal theme music doorway of night uh, Mm -hmm. sounds like the, like a piece of soundtrack from a Silmarillion movie. It's wonderful. (laughs) uh, And it's particularly uh, apropos for our podcast because we have the two trees here. Yeah. In our logo. So yeah, actually now that you mentioned that, I see that. (laughs) Yeah. Perion and Laurelin. I almost said Lothlorian. Laurelin. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we like to stay on theme here. We did this just for you. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Well, you guys are a very international band. Your four members are sort of from all over the globe. How did you all meet and come together? Yeah, so um, I'm American, so originally from the States, um, but uh, Martin and I are married, so that's why I live here in the Netherlands. Um, and Miko and Johanna are from Finland. Um, so... Well, the way I have million started was um, I was still living in the States and this was probably 2017. Martine called me and um, 
tells me like, oh, I just, I, I've been having this really like different idea about music. And we both had already told each other we love like uh, the fantasy style and, and we like Enya and, and those kinds of things. Um, and he's like, I would like to do that, like a project with that. Do you want to be involved? And I was like, um, yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> wow. And so that, the idea started then, but nothing really moved forward until um, a couple years later. I was then um, at that point living here in the Netherlands. And um, Martijn is friends with Johanna's husband. So that's how he knows Johanna. Mm-hmm. Um, From and Netflix. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, so he asked her if she would be interested just kind of like oh just running this idea past you and she was super excited about it um so then we flew over to finland to talk with her and um and that's when things really started moving because like it became concrete you know we have a singer okay now let's actually do something as opposed to let's just keep dreaming about it (laughs) (laughs) so um i think we had a couple like partial songs written at that point but um very little so when johanna came on board it was like the green light okay let's get started um and miko um has done uh, orchestrations for Martin's metal band Delane um, in years past, and his work is incredible. So he asked yeah. Miko to join up. Um, he wasn't originally supposed to be like a, a official member of Eye of Million, just to do the orchestrations, but it all progressed so naturally, and all four of us just worked so well as a team. And he is a huge Tolkien fan too. In fact, when Martin said, "Yeah, we're going to call it Eye of Million," he's like does that have anything to do with Tolkien by chance? And he's like, yes, it does. <laughs> and so, um, so that was really fun to, you know, that he's really into this as well. So anyway, that's how we all, uh, we got started and that's how we know each other. That is so, so cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely found you through, um, I've been a fan of Mar- Martin's uh, and Delane for, for many years and Johanna's as well from Ari and all the, all, you okay. know, Alta Milan Road and all, all of her stuff with Tuomas. So, yeah. yeah. So then when, I, so I already was a fan. And then when I saw the name of the band, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's a deep cut. Um, there were I many, mean, many exclamation points in the yeah. message I got on, on our, our Discord server. <laughs> So many exclamation points when I got, when she found your, your band name and she was saying it to me mm-hmm. like, look at what I found. Look at what I found. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, it's so nice to, to, cause a lot of people know Lord of the Rings and love Lord of the Rings, like just the movies. And that's fine because they're great movies. Yeah. Um, but it's always nice to have a, a chat with people who know like the deeper parts of the Tolkien universe, like what, like you recognized Melian. And so, yeah, that's yeah. really neat. That's well, awesome. That's, that's what we're all about here. Yeah, that's, 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 that's sort like, of our, our credo. We, we started this podcast because that's my, my love of Tolkien is, is the deep, the deep end, the weird, the weird yeah. elf shit as, as we, <laughs> yeah. as we termed it in our bio. Uh, Cause that's, that's what I love about it. I love all the, yeah. the weird deep cuts. Mm-hmm. So we, we, that's what we've really enjoyed doing in this podcast is, digging into all the weird stuff, all the the stuff that doesn't necessarily get as much light shown on it. Uh, but right. I think is absolutely as worth talking about as any other part of Tolkien's stuff. If not more so, the Athrobeth should be read by everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree. <laughs> so, Just well, that's a, that kind of leads into our next question. Is So where does the Tolkien influence come from? Are you kind of the driving force behind that? Or was that always something that was part of like the foundation of the band? 
Well, you know, when um, when the idea was kind of first spawned, so to say, um, it was just fantasy inspired, um, not necessarily Tolkien, um, even though we are all Tolkien fans. Um, but Miko and I especially are the ones who like, you know, are into the Silmarillion and, and all those other works like, you know, Book of Lost Tales and so forth. But when I was discussing the name with Martine um, and I wanted to include Melian in it um, and I explained to him who Melian was and everything. Um, so that's when we really kind of started moving in the Tolkien direction. Of course, not everything, like not every single song is Tolkien related, but um, but that's really the vibe we're really trying to portray is that like deep Tolkien lore of just the mystical um, lore and magic. And uh, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. So that's what it kind of came with the name. Um, that's when mm. it really started steering in that direction. I love that. Can you tell us like, so Melian as a character, um, mm -hmm. how does she speak to you personally? Oh, I, I vividly remember the first time I was reading the Silmarillion um, and coming across uh, the chapter where it really talks about her a lot, the of Thingol and Melian, I think. And everything it said about her, just um, that there was none more beautiful or more wise or more skilled in enchanted song. She taught the nightingales to sing. Um when she would sing in the garden that everybody would stop their work and listen to her sing at the mingling of the lights. And um, she loved the deep shadows of the trees. Basically, you know, she just sounded awesome. I wanted to be her. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> and uh, um, so really everything about her just spoke to that, like, part of me that loves that just magic. And um, and I loved her character. And even this, when I first read The Silmarillion, it was before I knew Martine. So it was before... I even knew I would be involved in something like this. I remember um, jotting a note down, like Melian would be a really cool name for like that kind of music. Um, but Melian by itself, once I started discussing the name with Martine, I'm like, that's that's kind of boring. So how about let's add something to it? And I ended up coming with up with Eye of Melian just because it sounded cool and cool yeah. eye symbols. <laughs> yeah. You know, but there's nothing particularly significant about the eyes. Uh, specifically. You know, I've been thinking a lot. I saw, I heard you say that in another interview and I, I've been thinking a lot about you and the band, like in the run up to this interview today. And one thing that strikes me about Melian as a character, like not only, you know, she's so beautiful and the, and songs and like all of those ac huge accomplishments and, you know, just being a Maiar, but she has this gift of foresight, which often yeah. people ignore, like That's to true. their own detriment, right? She'll, she's like, beware the sons of Feanor and then nobody bewares the sons of Feanor and then everybody dies, <laughs> right? Like, listen to Melian should be, you know, the, the sort of subtext of, of all of that, but nobody, and, and right yeah. in the story of uh, Children of Hurin, like Turin doesn't listen to her, Morwen doesn't, nobody listens to her. Yeah. Thingol yeah. never listens to her to his own doom. So I like the, yeah, the eye of, think about that. You're yeah. Absolutely right. <laughs> so like for the eye of Melian makes me think about like her sort of foresight, this gift. So she's looking not only to the future, but she's also a vessel sort of of what came before. Right. And so yeah. I like, I don't know. I think, I don't know if you like, to me that, was very meaningful and I so I of Melian I don't know that's one of her many gifts and I just love that about the band well I'm so glad you said that because honestly I wish I could say I was clever enough to that's why I did the eye but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately that is not the case um but now that you're mentioning that I'm like oh my gosh that's actually really perfect I think so you thank you it subconsciously like <laughs> there you go that's, that's it but yeah but uh, anyway with with Melian indeed um she really, everything about her character and her description really embodies like the essence and the spirit of what we're tr aspiring to do with the music. So, yeah. 
That's amazing. I think that's really cool. I I I I really love seeing the way that people are engaging with Tolkien in new and interesting ways. This is such a great time for Tolkien fandom because there are people engaging with it in such different ways. It's more than it's ever been. The the academic yeah. community is just exploding right now. There's so many new people coming in and doing interesting things and uh, I think it's a uh, just a terrific time with the new show starting. There's going to be so many more people picking it up and exploring the different parts of it. Uh, I think it's really exciting to see people taking inspiration from it in new and different ways. And p- music's obviously been one of the places where Tolkien has always had a real a real strong influence. Um, yeah. But I think not just using the inspiration from the lyrics, but taking that idea of inspire being inspired to make music that's inspired by Melian and her, her themes and her style, I think is really cool. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to hear all that. Can you, Robin, can you tell us a little bit about, um, so you, you know, as the lyricist of the band, you, I see you, you know, weaving these Tolkien characters and themes and into your beautiful melodies. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with Tolkien, how you discovered his writings and tell us all about yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I was, I think, maybe 15 when the first movie came out. So it was the movies that started it um, for me. Um, When my brother and I were really little, my dad would read the Chronicles of Narnia to us. But then when my younger sisters um, were a certain age, my dad read The Lord of the Rings to them. And that was before the movie came out. So when the movie was announced, I remember my sisters and my dad were like freaking out, like so excited, but I wasn't familiar with it yet. So I I was just like, oh, that's, you know, they're going to be cool. That's great. But um, so they went and saw it like the day it came out. And uh, I showed up a couple weeks later. (laughs) And, um, and um, I remember very vividly all the way back then, um, about I don't know, 30, 20 minutes into the movie, even I had like my monster diet Coke with me in the, in the theater. And I'm like, I can't touch this. So I like put it a few, <laughs> I put it a few seats down from me because I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving this movie to use the restroom. I'm not going to touch this diet Coke anymore yeah, <laughs> because the- I refuse to leave. And, um, because I was so enthralled with it already. Um, it was just so incredible. And then it wasn't honestly until like a few years later that I finally picked up the books. Um, and and as you know, the books delve into so much more and the descriptions of things. I yeah, I it made me sad that I'm like, how did I get on this bandwagon so late? I should have been reading these for years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's my background with uh, Tolkien. That's awesome. I'm very, very similar to you in that way in that, you know, Jude asked me, to do this podcast and I hadn't read the Silmarillion. I hadn't read anything. And I told him I would only do the podcast if I didn't have to do any homework. And then four (laughs) years later, I find myself like really loving all this weird extra stuff Um, because it just makes the main stuff richer, right? To kind of know what else is out there for the world building itself. So in depth. I mean, incredibly. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, can you talk a little bit about your process of writing lyrics? Like, what is your background as a lyricist? And for Eye of Million, do the lyrics come first? Does the music come first? How does that work? Yeah, sure. Um, So for um, Martine's way of writing, I'm sure people, everyone does it differently. But um, Martine writes all the music first, including the melody lines. So music is completely um, done as far as structure. It's not like perfected, but and then he gives it to me for the lyrics. Um, and as far as my background as a lyricist goes, um, well, 
Um, I've been making up my own songs, I think, since I was like four. Um, but and started actually writing them down as a teenager. So I had this huge binder from all those years of, of collecting things. And in, I guess you would probably say they're more like poems because they weren't like songs. But I wrote them as lyrics and in my head they were lyrics because I could hear the melody lines as I was writing them, even though I'm not, um, I have a musical background, but not, writing music is not really my forte. So <laughs> um, uh, I've tried, but uh, no. Um, so anyway, so that's really my only background is is kind of making things up myself over the years. And so when Martine handed me, like when he sent it to me, here's the first song for you to do. I was really nervous because I had never tried to put lyrics to an already established melody line that had its limitations with like, okay, you only have a couple lines here, then you go, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, that was a bit of a, a challenge for the first song. Um, but uh Ever since then, I guess it's gone all right because uh, I got used to it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you killed it. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That's amazing. Were there any Were there any songs that were like that came that the, where the lyrics came quite like naturally or easy? Like anything that was like a slam dunk from the beginning? Yeah, actually, and and funny enough, so that first song that I was given was Ever Strong. However, mm -hmm. it wasn't those original lyrics. Oh. Um, I had written something completely different, and it wasn't my best work. It was my first try. So there were some things I'm like, ah, I didn't like the flow of that. And so, and then Martijn, with his Dutch accent, he knew he was going to be singing it, and they don't have TH sounds in the Dutch language. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and so he was like, I can't do, there's too many THs. I'm like, are you serious? So, <laughs> um, so it was, you know, we had a laugh about that, but he's like, can you redo this song? Because, you know, it was your first try. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, I'm not happy with it either. Let me redo it. And so I sat down to redo the song and it came out of nowhere, just really easily. And it was done in a very short period of time where there are many other songs I worked on for days and days where that one just one sitting done. And I'm not sure where it came from. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It was like so, within, it had to get out. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, Everstrong was the one that was really just kind of flowed right out. I love Everstrong. I, um, is he, so is Martine the male voice on that? I, I was wondering yeah. who's singing. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then Johanna, of course, is singing lead. And yes. then I heard maybe you're singing some background somewhere. Is that, is yeah, that, a, I, yeah, I'm in there somewhere. Yay, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Girl, Thank that's you. amazing. We got to get you out in the front. That's so cool. I think oh, that's amazing. I don't know about that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but you all sound just beautiful together. Like all of the, the building of those melodies and gorgeous harmonies in there. Oh my gosh, it's killer. I I really really love Everstrong. It it ha I don't okay, I'm getting off the questions. I hope that's okay, but um totally fine. to me that has some I don't know if this is true or if I'm putting my own take on that 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 song. But it's got some elfy vibes, right? Like I feel like it's like an elf telling another elf like you got to keep going. I'm going back to the halls of Mandos, but like you got to keep I don't know. It, yeah, well you, the the um, Miko made the cover art for that one, and Ooh. he at, in, that was supposed to be the Halls of Mandos. <gasps> just so you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, tell him it's amazing, and I got I, it immediately. I will certainly do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I you know as I said, that song kind of just like flowed out of me. So I, I I don't really know that I had a whole lot of thought behind exactly what it was supposed to be. But you know, I had recently. Um, reread um 
um, the, the Lord of the Rings at that point, and I had read in the appendix, you know where um, Aragorn is saying basically goodbye to Arwen, and he <gasps> yes. says these really beautiful things. And so I don't know, maybe that was kind of somewhere in my mind, um, because I was indeed attempting to kind of do like a very poetic Tolkien style of, you know, writing them. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there were definitely some influences in there. Oh, my God. Ugh, That's cool. God, I'm going to get like all misty thinking about it. This is like totally <laughs> not important. But Jude and I play in a tabletop RPG called The One Ring, which is uh-huh. it's by a couple of guys and they made it out of like The Lord of the Rings. And he has awesome. an elf character who I feel like this would be a very good song for. So we're going to have to make that happen. Like just like <laughs> background music. It's amazing. That sounds fantastic. Oh, so good. Well, OK, so. That's actually, this is great. You're leading us right into the next question. So, you know, in the run-up to Legends of Light, your for, your mm-hmm. debut album that's coming out soon, June 21st, everybody, um, you've released four singles thus far at the time of recording. So The Bell, Vita Nova, Doorway of Night, and Everstrong, which we just chatted about. Of mm-hmm. those songs, Doorway of Night, to us, to Jude and I, has very clear Tolkien influences and references. Can you tell yes. us about that song in particular? Yes. So for that song, I really was aiming to write about the two trees because like, I just kind of had it in my mind because, I mean, that is such an incredibly beautiful story, as you guys well know. So I'm like, OK, that's what I really want to go with. Um, so I sat down with that in mind and I had the Silmarillion next to me and I had um, uh, what other book was I using? I think it was The Shaping of Middle Earth and, you know, all these different ones just for references around me to kind of read and get ideas from. And it just kind of naturally flowed into just about Telperion. Um, and as you, I'm sure, heard, it was, uh, I do mention it's the Elder Light, or, um, and that the Silver Tree, of course, and um, the Count of Time began with the first shining of Telperion, so that's where Count of Time came in there. Um, it's really about just the tree and then how it became the moon. Um, and that's such, one of my favorite stories, in Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really was happy to to write about that. Um, and also just about night in general. And of course, that's when I pulled in Doorway of Night. Um, and of course, I know it's called The Door of Night, not Doorway of Night. So I took a little creative license there also because, again, I know that was like to cast Morgoth out into the void, not necessarily for the moon to go through. But um, in some of his other works, like his earlier works, like when he was really coming up with that stuff, he did make the doorway of night for the sun to travel through yeah. and then would re- come come back through the gates of morning. So, again, I took some creative license with talking about the doorway of night, but uh, mainly, yes, about Telperion becoming the moon. That's it's amazing. A, it's a great song. I really... Thank you. It's very interesting to hear these very Tolkienian themes in the in in a song like that. It's it's really affecting to hear some of these things that hit for me are very like intense, like, but also in, they, they kind of are coming at from like the academic side of my brain, because that's where I usually am hitting Tolkien from. And right. to have, you know, to be to to hear it coming from like a, a, an entirely different angle is is a really fun experience for me as someone who who engages with Tolkien in, in a much different way. So I really enjoyed it in that sense. And like I said, it, it really did remind me as if I was sitting down to watch like the opening credits of a Silmarillion film. Uh, that awesome. was very much the, the, the feel I got from it made me kind of want one. 
So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, that is definitely, I think, the most obvious of Tolkien references on the album. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you guys caught it. Somebody wrote us and said, I didn't realize what it was about. And then I heard the word Ilmen. And for, the word Ilmen is what clued this person in. I'm like, oh, wow, that's like really obscure knowledge. Yeah. yeah that's, um, <laughs> that's what clued you in. But yeah, awesome. that's funny. So... <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I believe this song is where the name of the album comes from, right? Because sort of in one of the, the bridge in the center, there's treasuring this legend of light is one of the, is that where the name of the album comes from? Yeah. So actually, um, I had come up with the name before the song was finished. Um, and so I was still in the middle of trying to get that one particular part of the song, like hammered out like the right lyrics there. And um, I had just discuss um legends of light with everybody like the name for the album and then i was like i'm putting that in there somewhere so i made sure i uh put that that line in there that's awesome and it, it works perfectly because yes. that is a legend of light so yeah absolutely oh man that's that is so cool <laughs> are there are there other songs on the i don't you know you don't have to say names or anything but are there other songs on the upcoming album that like tolkien kind of uber readers and uber nerds should look out for are there more things um, Perhaps. I mean, there's a couple small references here and there, but to be perfectly honest, I feel like in order to recognize them, I would probably have to explain it. <laughs> um, but that's where some of the um, ideas came from, though. Um, the Home Songs Call, for example, um, that's not out yet. So, But um, that song really has Elvish vibes to it, just the sound of it. And um, I really wanted to include a song that was either about Melian or just something from her point of view. So I started thinking and um, and I thought about her leaving Valinor to come to Middle Earth and how um, to me that would have been like a hard move. Um, <laughs> but uh, she was, of course, very happy with her, uh, her kingdom of Doriath. But um, the song definitely has some melancholic vibes. And so I'm like, OK, I'm going to switch this around and pretend that she was regretting her decision. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote that kind of from there. Um, I think one of the lines was like gazing across the centuries home is a distant memory and like all these different, um, things, but you know, I could talk about this song forever because there's uh, so many things that went into that, the background of that song. Um, in fact, Miko had asked me at one point to write up a, just a, a document of, um, can you just give me brief synopsises like of what the songs are about? Um, each song had like just a small paragraph and then home songs call came up, boom, like a whole page <laughs> because hey. there were so many things. Cause you know, there's that aspect of like what Melian would be feeling if she regretted her decision, which she didn't, but if she did, um, yeah. and then there's also other ideas that kind of collided into that song, but it made a coherent whole. So it actually, yeah, it's one of my favorite songs, but uh, it sounds that's awesome. where it's, that's where it started from. Oh, that's amazing. I cannot wait for June 21st <laughs> to get here quickly so I can listen to it. That's amazing. Uh, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I know this has been a long road for you. Well, Tol Tolkien uses songs and poetry right throughout his stories. We see that mm -hmm. a lot. Um, there are very strong elements of storytelling in your own work. I, I Like Vita Nova, for example, tells a beautiful and sort of haunting ocean tale. So I want to ask you, how do you, and you sort of talked about this a little bit when you talked about Martine and how he structures the music first, how do mm -hmm. you convey sort of these big epic stories that you tell in Eye of Melian in, in this kind of limited format of like just a few stanzas? How do you, how do you do that? Is there a process for that? I mean, or is that, does it come naturally? What's tell, tell us about that. Well, quite frankly, that has been frustrating at times um, because, you know, as I mentioned, like my background as 
of writing lyrics is is to my you know the, my, my music in my head so there's like no limits there's you know oh I need an extra line in that verse no problem you know what I mean <laughs> yes. um whereas with these songs yeah there are limitations um to what I can work with so yeah that's been an issue a couple of times where I'm like oh, I just need like two more lines to convey what I need to convey and then I'm done and, and Mar it's like well that's not what the song calls for so sorry <laughs> um so Amazing. um yeah um, and then there's also been a couple of times, um, cause Martine is also a producer. So, um, so it's not just the writing of the music, but he really like listens to everything. Um, and everything has to sound like tip top shape, you know? Um, and so every once in a while he'll point out a line or even just a word or two and say that doesn't, I don't like this, the sound of that word, like the, the vowel sound or the, you know, whatever it is, like, mm -hmm. I don't like that sound that needs to change. And I'm like, but that, that's crucial. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, I can't change that. And so, you know, we got into um, a couple discussions about that a couple of times. But, uh, but you know, in the end, he's right because it needs to, first and foremost, sound beautiful. And then, um, yeah, so I wish I could give you more um, details of, like, how I, I do it. But, it, yeah, there's moments that it's frustrating and I've had to change things around because of that. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I have a necessary process for that thing in particular, though. Sure. No, it's a very totally. You know, oh, Tolkienian argument. <laughs> Euphony was so important to him. I feel like he would have definitely appreciated that that debate between words. It's sounding beautiful and getting the meaning right. I feel like there's yeah. there's a lot of that in, in his in his process and in his language creation. So absolutely, he was a master of words. Master of words. Yeah. yeah. Unparalleled in my, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, and of course yeah. as a, um, uh, philologist, right. He's all about the mouthfeel of certain things and yeah. what, what those yeah. sounds kind of like evoke within you yeah. or whatever. I, yeah. I like that mm -hmm. about him. I like that he was so concerned with things sounding beautiful. Although <laughs> I do like that sometimes you also end up with things like the, the capital city of the elves being named Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you're like, absolutely right. <laughs> sometimes they can't all be winners. Sometimes you just swing and a miss. You... Oh, That's no. a very good point. <laughs> that is too funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe he was a fan of tuna. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love to get tuna casserole. I'm sure there's some, one, I'm sure we have one listener who's a Quenyan nerd who was like, it's tuna, not tuna. I was like, yes, I know. Oh, but it's, it's you funnier know, that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because for me, I've only ever read all these words. I've never actually heard most of these words spoken. So if I do some weird pronunciations and butcher things, I apologize. I've only ever read them. No. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. And I think that's part. Well, there are lots of like the. Oh, my gosh. You language. Jude is a bit of a language dork. So the language dorks have like all this stuff written out, but I don't care either. I just go for it. Yeah. I like that everyone has a different pronunciation. That's part of what makes right. the world yeah. real, maybe to me. I don't know. What do you well, think? And there's no, I mean, I think especially for these days, there's so many, there's a lot of different Quenyas. There's a lot of different Cinderins. And I think it's, I think it's just great that people are engaging with it. And mm -hmm. the pronunciations for the most part are less important than people engaging with it. Unless you're like trying to write poetry in Quenya, which <laughs> would be hard to do. And, you know. Not that I haven't tried that. Oh, oh, that sounds fabulous! <laughs> I would love to hear it. We need to get <laughs> not, to that. Going. Not not original. I've never tried to write a original poetry in Quenya because that would be rough trying to get it right. But uh, I haven't. 
I do think it's fun to try and translate stuff into Quenya because I just think Quenya sounds gorgeous. I translated the Mariner. Uh, I like picking old, uh, like old English uh, lays and stuff like that because they have mm-hmm. a similar like structure to the stuff that Tolkien wrote. Um, yeah, he liked was, that, right? Yeah. Before yeah. I had a kid and I had copious free time, uh, one of my <laughs> favorite de-stressing activities was translating stuff into Quenya. So I did a lot of that when we were planning the move to Ohio. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I find that really neat, if I may say. I, I have um, a big book, Gateway to Sindarin, and I don't know if you're familiar with that book by mm-hmm. David Salo. But, um, yeah. you know, so it's got everything about Sindarin, which I think is awesome, but I've always really loved the whole Quenyan thing because that's like the original, you know, that's the high language. And I, I want to know more about that, but I can't find um, a lot about it. Like I look on the internet and it's one place it says this and in some place else it says something completely different. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple yeah. of really good resources. Um, I'll, I can email you a couple of uh, resources if you're interested. And we uh, can link them in the show fantastic. notes for the oh, yeah. listeners. Yeah, and I'll put them in the show yeah. notes too. Yeah. There's a, a really good course that I recommend for, for our listeners. Uh, I think it's called Atenquesta. It's basically a form of Quenya that is the 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 the, nar- the narrative conceit of the language is that it's the form of Quenya spoken by men. And it's Ooh. a sort of neo-Quenya, acknowledged mm, okay. as a form of neo-Quenya because all the forms of Quenya that we have are are incomplete. That's part of why there's no really good published books on Quenya or there's no, and the tutorials tend to disagree with each other a lot is because Quenya was the one that he loved the most and he was constantly revising. So there's Uh, like, okay, like three or four distinct phases of Quenya. Mm -hmm. And then even within particularly like the last two phases, he's just like, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. And then the Lord of the Rings comes (laughs) out and I'm just going to just, throw some linguistic bombs into my structure and change the <laughs> rules and whatever. Um, so yeah. there's been some efforts to to try and reconcile that. But there's a couple of good guides. One I really like that was trying to do like Latter-day Quenya, like Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings era Quenya. And then this other one that is trying to do like a, you know, men's Quenya, like capital M, right. humans Quenya, that is very good. I think it, it, it's... Uh, I really appreciate the effort that they put into making it consistent and uh, consumable. So I really like it. And it's one of the ones that uh, in the various online places is highly recommended. So, Well, that's good to know. I'm definitely interested in that. So I would love to see that link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm going to have to have a resuscitation of the Mariner in some secret Atherbeth episode. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know where those sounds no- like I'll a have party. to see if I even have those notes. I don't know. They, they Maybe they survived the trip oh, cross country. We'll see. What? Well, I'll have that you give like them to me. <laughs> it's it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure that there are Quenya nerds that if I actually did put the, put it out anywhere, that would just be like, "What in what were you on when you did this?" <laughs> I'll tell you what I was on. I was on 19 hour days trying to plan a cross country trip with a eight month pregnant w- wife. Like oh, it was brother. there was a lot going on <laughs> in that in those last few months before we, we made that move. I wasn't trying to be super, super accurate. It was just for funsies. <laughs> I feel like Quenya is served by a nice big glass of wine before you try to pronounce any of that, right? Or a nice dram of scotch would help kind of, right, I don't, at least for me. It flows better. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
Well, Robin, we've talked we've talked about um, Melian as a, you know Melian and Thingle as a story. We've talked about um, Talperion. Are there any other? Do you have any like other favorite stories or songs or like themes from Tolkien that maybe have influenced your work or even just something that you love? Oh goodness! I know um, I put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> oh no! You know, if I was to come up with my favorite song, because as you guys know, they're littered throughout, like yes. you know, his works. Um, I think I would have to like say, hang on, like an hour or two, and like flip through all my books. <laughs> yes, because um, I I underline in my books and everything, and so um, you know, I would probably be able to find something that way. But <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as an, other stories and themes, um. Man, there's so many. Um, yeah. Of course, the the classic story of Baron and Luthien. That's mm-hmm. a real epic story. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. You know, her storming the uh, stronghold of Sauron. And um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that one's got those Melian ties, too, which is so cool. Right. Melian yeah. was like, maybe we maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this is a bad idea. Let's yeah. let's not let's not find a Silmaril. Let's not. And everyone was like, no, we should do that. That's a, that's a plan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Baron and Luthien because it's so weird. Like, I get that it's it's also this incredible, <laughs> epic, romantic, in every sense of the word story. But mm. also there's, like, a woman that puts on a, a bat fur cape and turns into a giant bat. And Amazing. werewolves. Really and like, strange details. It's, right? it's, yeah. it's so weird because it's old. I love, I love when Tolkien loves something too much to edit properly. And so you get some of these weird details that just stick around, like the bat fell and the vampire and the vampire and the werewolves and stuff. It's like he's doing the yeah. monster mash. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've read the the book that was published, Baron and Luthien, and that makes it even more confusing to me because actually, you know, there's so many versions of the story in yes. that book. So now I'm like... I don't remember which one was actually the final version. <laughs> I know, but um, that happens to me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But lots of crazy details like that, and it's fun to watch them change as you um, yeah. get with you know read the other versions. But yeah, so that is a fantastic story, and I also just love um, a lot of the just descriptions of how like nature type of stuff. Like I really oh, love yeah. that. Um, for example, like the um, story of creation mm-hmm. um, and with the music of the, again, here's a word I don't know. Einer, the I- the Einer. Einer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> I don't know either. But um, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and how uh, that song still kind of lingers in water. And that's why the elves are so drawn to the sea and they don't even I realize that. that half the time. And I, yeah. that just, I remember reading that and just being like goosebumps everywhere because I'm such, I grew up near the ocean and um i am in love with the sea i feel the call of the sea in me you know what i mean so when i read that i was like there's the reason there's the reason yes totally um, amazing and just other small details like um another thing um when it talks about the elves being immortal and um death was the gift to men from iluvatar and like how that's actually so deeply profound um, be, and how the elves will just live forever and then they gradually waste away in grief because, I mean, living forever, that's that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I even touch on that a little bit in the Home Songs call as well. So anyway, mm. um, just a lot of those small things that aren't necessarily stories per se, mm-hmm. but those are the things that really touch me. That's like where all the underlining is happening in <laughs> my, my Tolkien books, that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's yeah, we, my, yeah I, go ahead. Steph knows that the the... Immortality of the elves, all the all the religious stuff, the the spirituality of the elves is a particular uh, soapbox of mine. The Athrobeth was the first piece that like 
got its hooks into me deep. And uh, mm. I went way off the deep end with the marring of Middle Earth, of Arda, and yeah. all the elven eschatology and all that weird stuff with elf souls and <laughs> yeah. the second music and all that stuff. So that's I, I love those themes. I love all those ideas. Yeah. So yeah. do I. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and th- I, I think that's those those early chapters of the Ina Lindale, right? Where isn't that where that in the Silmar? That's the first mm. part of the Silmarillion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of first-time Silmarillion readers feel very overwhelmed in those chapters because they are written in a sort of, and on the third day they did this thing and then they was over <laughs> here and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, you're, when yeah. you really break those stories down, like, yeah, boy, they're beautiful. And um, yeah, yeah, I would love to see a movie yeah. about, I don't know. Someone once told me that they wished that Christopher Tolkien had done the Silmarillion last and not first. Mm. And that idea blew my mind because he on a couple of occasions said that he regretted some of the choices he made because he was feeling pressured by the publisher to get this thing out Mm. and he felt that there were compromises made there that he wouldn't have made later in life and it made me really wonder what the Silmarillion would have looked like if he had done it on the the other side of the histories instead of in front of it Mm. If, if he had spent all those years looking at all those versions of everything and deeply, deeply exploring all of these, all of the the history of all the, of the Silmarillion and then publishing it. I mean, not to say that he didn't work hard enough. A guy spent his entire life <laughs> editing his father's works. He, he certainly did enough, but I, I'm, 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 I've always been curious what, what it was about the, the published Silmarillion besides the framing device he felt bad about. Cause he never really got into it. He was always very professional when discussing his works. He never really right. uh, discussed his personal thoughts on them. Huh. That's an interesting thought. Indeed, um, what would have come out if there was not, not all that pressure Yeah, um, absolutely. getting it done. Hmm. Well, speaking of pressure, uh, you, uh, I of Melian, completed uh, a very successful crowdfunding campaign to fund yeah. your, your debut album. Uh, the crowdfunding ran from March 11th through April 17th of 2022, you had 700 backers and you made well over your goal. Like, first of all, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Thank that's, you so much. Yeah. What was, can you talk a little bit about that, um, that process and how you decided to go that route and, and what that, what was that like? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So um, we uh, were talking to some small um, record labels at first and we decided, well, you know, let's, let's just do it ourselves. Um because we know people who've done it themselves. For example, Leah, who's a guest on our um, album, you know, is very much into that. So she, yeah, so we were like, let's go for it. Let's do that. And um, so therefore, let's do a crowdfunding. Um, And I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I had (laughs) no idea (laughs) just how much work that actually was going to be. Oh, my goodness, because, you know, I was the one who was in, in charge of, of running all that. Um, oh, wow. Of course, we had the help of our merch store people. Um, they're the ones who are, you know, um, going to be shipping all of our merchandise and it, all the orders went through them. So they were awesome with helping with get the, you know, the website and stuff set up. So that I didn't have to do. So thank goodness for that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot. I bet. <laughs> a lot of work. Wow. But we're really thankful for how it went because we really didn't know what to expect. Um, we're brand new. Um, we didn't know how much to ask for because we didn't even know how much was possible. Oh, um, interesting. And so, yeah, so we 
kind of threw the 25,000 marker out there and we're like, fingers crossed, let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and we were like, oh my gosh, what happens if it totally like poops out like halfway through? And we're like, yeah, I can't think about that. Let's just (laughs) just keep going. (laughs) And, um, but anyway, um, yeah, we're, we're really grateful for how it went. And it was really awesome to see a lot of the support from fans. Like we didn't even know how many there were out there. And all of a sudden, all these people are saying, I ordered it. Thank you so much. And we're sending us like private messages, like on our social medias to say just like, thank you. And, and just nice notes. And yeah, it was, it was really, really neat experience. That's amazing. I think that is yeah. so cool. Um, I am very <laughs> excited about my knitted hat that I, I got in like right away. Oh, nice. so I was you like, got I one gotta of those. get at something. That's so cool. You had the coolest <laughs> Perfect. stuff. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. Yeah, thank, oh my gosh, I was so excited because Johanna had made um, us a pair of socks, like really awesome knitted ones um, last Christmas, I think it was. And so I asked Johanna, do you think maybe you'd be willing to just do like a couple? She's like, absolutely. And I didn't want to pressure her. So I'm like, yeah, just a couple is great. And then she's like, here's like 25. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And it was awesome. So fast. They sold out within like, I think a little over 24 hours. Amazing. Um, Yeah. And then she sent um, another batch that was like, I can't remember how many there were that second time, maybe 15. Mm -hmm. And again, sold out within about 24 hours. So that was a huge, huge hit. So we really appreciated her hard work on that. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so rad. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, and you guys did a great job with, um, I'm not on Facebook, but on Instagram, you know, you had a Mm -hmm. really cool, the video was amazing. Um, where, where you sort of explained the crowdfunding, like that, that Mm -hmm. sort of video. And then all of the videos you did, you know, um, introducing everybody. Um, wow. They are so beautiful and well done and like very professional and cool. And, uh, they, I find them very engaging. So I think you just did such a great job with that. Thank you. Miko is the mastermind behind the videos. Oh, really? Oh, tell him he's so fabulous. I (laughs) I will definitely do that. They're amazing. (laughs) Well, is there, I mean, I know this is, um, I know kind of from my delaying knowledge that Martine really enjoys, um, studio projects right uh and i of million is because of the orchestration feels so much like you know a, a studio project is there any mm-hmm. possibility that there might be some live events in the future that we can we can watch or, or attend maybe yeah well we've been talking about that a little bit because originally indeed it was supposed to just be a project um you know just releasing music um and that would be about it no live shows or anything but I don't know. Everything has just gone so well with I have millions so far. And, um, just all four of us are just so excited about everything. And people have asked that question as well. And then we kind of, the wheels started turning. Well, how could we actually execute that? So (laughs) we've really been thinking about it. Um, and there's no definite plans, but it is not off the table. Let's put it that way. Um, the thing is, is I think it would be kind of difficult to execute um, because I feel like to do the music justice, there needs to be an orchestra. Like yeah. visually, it needs to be like a stunning show, whether it be with lights or, or you know, all sorts of different things. Sure. Um, so it would be interesting on like how we would actually pull that off. But um, we're thinking about it. Yeah, that would be rad. That would be. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, I told my husband, James, our editor, I'm like, if they do that, I'm flying to the Netherlands or wherever they're doing it. And I'm going because that's amazing. <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> be so cool. Um, well, I think, um, you know, and we touched on this a little bit that if you are if you're somebody who's read very deeply into Tolkien or, or at least the expanded stuff, you know, you're going to catch the more obscure Tolkien references, but whether or not your listeners catch those or not, what do you want 
people to take away from from this album? Yeah, that's a good question. So honestly, I think I have to refer a little bit back to um, something we kind of developed along the lines of how we kind of advertise ourselves, like um, our kind of like, I don't know, not slogan, but just our little catchphrase of um, what we have on all our social medias and what we've put elsewhere is come wander a starless void, find solace in a silent snow covered forest and sail past the edge of the map. This is eye of million. And, and so, Amazing. <laughs> um, so that kind of evokes like a little bit of just, I, well, I'm hoping anyway, just kind of a wonder and like to kind of musical escapism, um, to be transported to different worlds. And so, as you said, you know, not everything is Tolkien related, but we really want people just to feel like they can escape with the music, like listen to it and just be completely swept away to a fanciful world. And um, that's what we're aiming for. So I think that's what we would love for people to take away from indeed uh, the album Legends of Light. That's amazing. I, I mean, I feel like I've only heard the first four singles, but I'm already on the plane being whisked away. Like I'm, I'm there. <laughs> it's it's so it's so, so fantastic. Wonderful. Robin, you've Thank done you. such an amazing job, all four of you. And I just think this is going to be glorious when this comes out. I can't wait. Very excited. Thank you so much. I do have to say, um, you know, I wrote the vast majority of the lyrics, but Johanna does two songs. So mm -hmm. I want to throw that in there because um, actually the next single we have coming out is um, Light. We haven't announced that yet, but by the time people are hearing this, it should be announced. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the one that Johanna wrote the lyrics to and also very, very beautiful. Um, oh, wow. So uh, that's going to be exciting to see. Too, oh, yeah. So. And you have a song in yeah. Finnish too, right? Did she write yeah. those? ones as well um so that's basically it's a drift in eternity which is one of our songs but in finnish or so what she did was take the because you can't directly translate and have it fit in the song right because the, what one line in english is so many syllables but like in the case of finnish probably a heck of a lot more syllables right and so and um yes. and uh so she basically took the idea behind adrift in eternity and then kept that idea but wrote it in finnish um it's so gorgeous because it sounds like elvish like that's what i told i'm like this is our elvish song this is not finnish <laughs> and um it's beautiful and um and she also translated it directly back into english so we could see what each of those lines mean and it's just so beautiful so yeah. oh that's cool yeah. that's amazing oh, i can't yeah. wait to hear that well, to sort of finish up, can you tell our listeners where they can find Eye of Melian? Do you want to like plug your socials or your website or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at eyeofmelian.com and um, just search for Eye of Melian on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. Um, we even have a Pinterest. Not <laughs> I saw that. But, yeah, Ooh. for for people who are interested in the visual aspect of the fantasy type of stuff. But yeah. um, yeah, and we have our Spotify up and running as well. So yeah, and a Bandcamp too, right? You're yeah, that's yes. Great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that too. I forgot about that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and yeah. It, um, and also you know to our listeners, um, you have got to go on to their web store, which is iofmillion.merchstore.nl. Uh, definitely go and check that out because they have like wow, your artwork, your gorgeous T-shirts, like oh boy, and to get the album as well, go go and uh, go and buy everything from them. Let's let's. <laughs> I already have so I'm inviting the rest of you to come and do it too <laughs> uh, well this has been like such a pleasure to talk to you today Robin thank you so much for your time yeah thank oh, you thank you guys so much this was really fun I really appreciate it no Yay. thank you we really appreciate you coming on certainly it's been fun watching Steph geek out <laughs> 
I know. I'm, I'm very sweaty. I'm very sweaty right now in, in a good way. Like, it, you know, it's, that's funny. It's the excitement, right? It's, it's the excitement. Exactly. It really is. Well, thank you again. Thank you. The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps increase our visibility. You can find us on the web at podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at atherbeth underscore cast. I can be found at Aramitic Jude. Steph can be found at the North Four. Thank you to Robin LaJoy from I of Melian for joining us today. Their debut album, Legends of Light, comes out on June 21st, 2022. Please go check them out. You can find them at the following locations. On the web at eyeofmelian.com, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at eyeofmelian. You can find their music on Apple Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And maybe even consider hitting up their web store at eyeofmelian.merchstore.nl. Thanks again, Robin. You were the best. Title music is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond5. This episode featured the song Doorway of Night by Eye of Melian, used with permission from the band. Athrobeth is produced, as always, by the excellent James Pearson. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Ooh, we are so good th- today. Nailing wow. it. Wow.